Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, today, we are finishing our series, Words to Live By, for 2019, and we are ending our two-week church-wide fast. And some of you, yeah, let's hear it. So some of you are excited. I mean, some of you today are going to go out and eat a big, juicy, double cheeseburger, triple cheeseburger with tangy barbecue sauce. Please don't do that today, okay? So seriously, please, as you come to the end of the fast today, uh, which we are breaking today, uh, please ease into eating uh, very slowly and put off the cheeseburger uh, for a few more days or so. Uh, but anyways... Um, we, because we don't want anybody getting sick, right? Now, if you haven't been with us, uh, we have been focused on the power of words. And the challenge has been to uh, hear from God what word or what phrase uh, does God want for each of us this year that he wants to change in our lives. And so uh, for during this series, we have on cards put our word and we put a prayer request and then we exchange those cards with other people and we've been praying and fasting for each other for the past two weeks. And many people have selected many different types of words that God has kind of put onto their heart to focus on this year. Uh, some people have wanted to have more of a solid groundwork uh, for their life. So when chaotic moments come and they come, uh, they feel like they can trust God this year or maybe hope uh, is their word or maybe it's discipline. And then other of us have maybe wanted to like get back on track with God. And so our words have been uh, more like uh, forgiveness, enough, or more. And then others of us who are checking out this whole God thing, uh, maybe we've put words like explore or reveal or just simply to follow and find out who Jesus is. And so it's been an amazing series and it's been a great time of praying for uh, each other. And so if you miss any part of it, uh, check it out on our podcast. Now today, I'm going to share my word. Trent shared his word a couple weeks ago. He asked if I would share my word uh, to conclude us in this series. And uh, this word is a word that God has been putting on my heart and working on throughout my life. And it's kind of surfaced in this season. And when you hear this word, it's going to sound a little bit different, but the word is fight. And, um, and I'm going to use the rest of the service to kind of unpack what that means and what it could mean for you as well. Um, but before I break apart or unpack that word fight, um, I have a little bit of a true confession uh, to make. When I hear that we are going to focus on a word for the entire like year, um, there's a part of me um, that is a little unspiritual. The first thought that kind of comes to my mind is, no way, Jose, you know? I mean, are you with me? I mean, I'm sure some of you have thought that. I mean, there's a part of me that I don't want to take an entire year to wait for that word to become evident in my life. I don't want to work for it. I don't want to fight for it. I want that word like now. So are you with me? Who's with me like has that thought? Yeah, I know there's some of us. And if you didn't raise your hand, thank you for making my confession even more of a major shockwaves today. Um, but seriously, isn't that part of the battle for all of us? 
There's a part of us that wants to fight for that word this year. There's a part of us that doesn't want to fight for that word this year. Because if we get real honest, when we think about that word, it means that we have to admit usually a weakness. And we don't like weaknesses. When that word comes up, it means that there's something that we're not good enough in or that there's something that we need help in. Isn't that part of the battle? Isn't that part of the fight? And so today I'm gonna to do a little bit something different for the message that maybe if you've heard me before, it's gonna be a little bit of a different twist for me uh, in my message. Today I'm going to share some three weaknesses that are very personal to me. And the reason I'm gonna share those weaknesses with you uh, is I want you to see how God has changed me and make me into the person that I am today because I want you to see his power. I want you to see his power. And um, the reason, my prayer for you has been when I share my weaknesses, I want it to encourage you to fight for your word this year. I want you to fight for your word this year. And I want you to know how to do that. And so today, it's gonna to be a little bit different uh, message today. Um, I'm gonna to get very raw with you. And so uh, I hope you're prepared for that. And so if you are, uh, let's dive into uh, scripture, which is going to help me to show you some of my weaknesses. So if you would, go ahead and turn to Exodus 3, 9 in your Bibles or on your smartphone devices. And as you turn there, um, if you don't have a Bible or uh, maybe a version that you just don't understand, uh, always feel free to get one of the Bibles from the back um, as it is our gift to you. And uh, we're also going to be putting up the words on the screen today. And so follow along, but turn, uh, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter three, verse nine. And we're gonna be seeing how the one that is Jesus is always fighting for us. So go ahead and turn to Exodus 3, 9, and I'll give you a moment to get there. All right, so today we're gonna to look at three snapshots of people that I resonate with because they share some of my same weaknesses. And their interactions with God has spoken volumes, volumes in my life uh, because that's how God has fought for me as well in the midst of some of my battles. And so uh, in these snapshots, I'm going to show, share with you three aspects of the word fight. And I'm gonna show you those three aspects because I want you to learn how to fight as well in the midst of your word that you're going to be fighting for this year. So let me give you a little background. So let me tell you about the first guy. His name is Moses. And Moses uh, was born in a time where the Jews were enslaved to the Egyptians. And in an effort to control the Hebrew population uh, from getting too large and uh, too much to handle, uh, one of the pharaohs uh, commanded that the uh, Jewish baby boys be put to death to stop the population from growing so much. Uh, but Moses, he was hidden, and he was eventually discovered by an Egyptian princess, not by accident. And so Moses was raised as an Egyptian. Uh, he was raised with the education of a king, and yet at the same time, he knew that secretly he was a Jew. And so one day as a young buck, um, he tried to free his people by doing it his way rather than God's way. And he killed an Egyptian, and he had to flee for his life. He had to leave uh, all that he knew. And so for 40 years, he spent hiding as a shepherd until God came to him and sought him out and spoke 
to Moses. So beginning in Exodus 3, 9, God said to Moses, look, the cry of my people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now, most of us are probably thinking if God spoke like one word to us, let alone like a whole conversation, we're in, but not Moses, okay? So verse 11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And so Moses raises up this uh, objection and he goes on to uh, have this back and forth conversation with God where he objects five different times uh, to God about being the right person. And uh, God never stops fighting for him, never stops fighting for him, helps Moses out. Now, I get Moses' objections. I've been the type of guy who has objected when God has come to me and asked me to do something. I've been like, God, you've got the wrong number. Uh, You've got the wrong person. It's not me. And this is why I love Moses so much and I identify with him because I'd probably be giving the same objections and I have uh, with God as well. And here's one of the objections that Moses gives that I really identify with. So skip down to chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Now, believe it or not, I grew up as a very quiet and shy kid. In fact, I was so quiet that my mama thought there was something wrong with me Uh, because I hardly spoke before the age of four. And when I did speak, no one could understand me. I had such a bad speech impediment. And so I couldn't say my brother's name, which is Jerry. I would say Jowie. Or I couldn't say Mellow Yellow, and it was Mellow Woe. And if it had an R or an L in it together, there was no way that that word was coming out of my mouth. And so from four years old all the way up through fourth grade, it took me that long to focus hard to correct my speech. Now, besides having problems with my speech, I was a very timid kid. I did not like to speak out loud, and especially in front of others. Um, There are times when I was with school teachers, and they would call me, and I would get so much anxiety in me that I just started to kind of stutter, and I didn't want to answer them out loud. Now, fast forward uh, to Trent asking me to help start Epic, and he said, oh, by the way, I want you to speak eight to 12 times a year, you know? Imagine that, all right? And so uh, there have been many times that I've had some anxiety moments up here on stage. There have been some times where I have felt my voice closing in, you know, that moment, if you've ever had that moment that you're scared to death to have, well, I've had those moments and my voice has quivered. And then there's one major thing where I was sitting right down here in this section and there was a skit going on and I was sitting next to Trent and uh, I was supposed to go up and give announcements and I had such a major moment, I also turned to Trent and said, here's my notes, I can't do it. And so I've had some major moments. I've had some battles. So for the last nine years, it's been something that I've said to God, God, if this is so difficult, then why would you have me to do this? 
And he keeps on telling me over and over again, do not remove yourself from speaking because that is what I have for you. And I am not finished with you. And I will tell you when you are finished. And so he has repeated that to me over and over and stretched me and made me uh, into who I am. And something that he keeps bringing up is something that he did with Paul as well, the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul had an issue. We don't know exactly what it is, but it was so bad that it stopped him. It almost stopped him from planting churches uh, at the very beginning after Jesus came back from the dead and it almost stopped him from helping people. And Paul kept pleading with God, pleading with him to take this thing away. In 2 Corinthians, he records this. He says, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So in essence, God was saying, I'm not going to remove this weakness, Paul. It's the way that I help you to be dependent on me so that you do not become prideful, that you do not become conceited. That's my love. And so your weakness may never go away, but that's okay. Because when people see my power in you, they will give me the glory and not you. And people's lives will be changed. And you will know that it's not you. And so Paul responds um, as he learns about this and his weakness. He says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now, people ask me every time, do I get nervous before I speak? Yep, I do. Every time. It never goes away. Never goes away. And they say, but you speak so well. Well, that's all God. That's all God. That's his power working through me. One thing that I do uh, behind stage before I come out on stage that helps me tremendously is that before I come on stage, I take a step in and pray. I take a step and I pray. And my prayer is, God, I don't want to do this in Tim Jones's strength. I want to do this in your power. In your power. In your power. That's what I do. And in that moment, and only in that moment, do I find that I have the strength and the confidence in my weakness because it is his power. I speak in his power. And so here's the first thing that I want to share with you as you fight for your word this year is that you need to fight through prayer. Every time you come upon that weakness, which most likely your word represents some type of weakness, you need to turn to God and use that weakness as a reminder and fight through prayer. God, I want to do this in your power, in your power. Give me strength. And you will find him come, and he will be with you in those moments. And so fight through prayer. Fight through prayer. Now, let me move on to the second thing that I want to share with you, the second snapshot. So turn with me to John 4, 4. He, Jesus, uh, had to go through Samaria on his way to another destination. And at times, he would go like literally out of his way for like these divine appointments with certain people. And here's one of them on this occasion. 
Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, and this is what he said, Jesus goes out of his way to have this conversation with this woman that no one, no one would have a conversation with. And as we look in their conversation, the reason is, is that it comes out in their conversation that she had not only had five husbands, but she had currently been living with a man who was not her husband, which was highly unacceptable in that culture. And so when you look at this conversation between Jesus and this woman, it's obvious that she is hiding and that she is hurting. And so why is this woman, have, why has she been in so many different relationships with people, which was so unacceptable in that day? Why was she so closed off? Now, we don't know why, but I understand about being closed off. When I was at a very young age, probably about five or so, I had a major life-changing event and had a bad experience. Um, there was another child who interacted with me in a sexually inappropriate way. And during that experience, I didn't quite understand what was going on. And I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. And uh, after that, the only way that I knew how to deal with that was just to stuff it. I wish it had never happened. And for so many years, as that would come back to my mind, I would just stuff it and pretend that never happened. And so here's me, this kid who is already shy and quiet and had a speech impediment, and then this happens. Like how would I ever, ever come out of my hiding? How would I ever come out of my shell? Now, as I look back in my life, there have been so many people, so many people who have been placed in my life to show me what love is about. I had loving parents. I had speech therapists who supported me so well. I had coaches who believed in me so much more than I believed in myself. I had teachers who loved me more as, as if I were one of their children. There were so many people who were placed in my life for a reason. I met my wife, who I can be so honest with. She's my best friend. And she was one of the first I ever told what happened. And there have been friends in my life since then that I've been able to share my past with. And so all my life, God set the foundation to put people in my life to show me what love is really about. And it's been amazing. And he drew me out. He drew me out. It was awesome. And so what I've learned over these years is that my life is not defined by one evil moment. It's defined by a savior who died on the cross to bring healing and restoration in my brokenness. That's what Jesus is about. And that's what he's shown me.
And so if you have ever had anything happen in your life, I want you to fight. I want you to, be, I want you to fight to be honest with others. There's someone in your life that God has placed that he wants you to share those types of things so that you can experience real love, so that you can experience someone praying with you, listening to you, and encouraging you. And so the way that we are going to have to fight this year for our words is that we have to be honest. We have to fight to be honest with others. And you'll see that healing and restoration will come through that process. So let me continue on and share with you the kind of final snapshot that I want to share with you. Uh, Turn to John 21, 4. Um, And so in verse 4, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was from their boat. This is after Jesus came back to life from the dead. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. You might be wondering why his closest followers were back to fishing after following him for three years. And the reason they were is that they felt like they had failed Jesus, okay? The night before Jesus died, they all had abandoned him, especially Peter, who was like one of the top three followers of Jesus. Peter denied knowing Jesus three times that night before he died. Three times, direct questions, direct answers of, no, I don't know Jesus. And so they all felt ashamed. But Jesus kept coming after them. Verse 6, then he, Jesus, said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Isn't that what happened before when he first called them? Isn't Jesus continuing to come after them and coming after them and coming after us in ways that are repeatable and ways that are familiar? Verse 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead because he continued to fight for them. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Jesus knows that Peter, uh, he knows that he is feeling like a major failure for denying Jesus three times. He said, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times tonight. And sure enough, Peter did. And so I'm sure that Peter has been thinking about that moment and many more because this wasn't the first time in three years Peter had messed up majorly over and over. I mean, how many times had Peter put his foot in his mouth? How many times had Peter uh, made mistakes? How many times had Peter made choices that failed? There was too numerous to count in that day. And so that's why Peter went back to fishing. He thought, He thought he was unusable. He thought that God could not use him. And so how many of us understand exactly where Peter's at? Because being a perfectionist, I get it. Like, how many perfectionists do I have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a perfectionist. Okay, everybody's with me, all right? So isn't it crazy how much we keep track of our failures? Yeah, you ask us perfectionists, we know exactly every failure we have in our lives, okay? But even if you're not a perfectionist, don't we know when we fail? 
And when we fail over and over again, we think that we are unusable, that there is no way that God can use us. And so I struggle with that as well. I mean, when I have failed in the past, I have thought, God, how can you use me? And if we analyze that conversation between Jesus that day, here's what Jesus said about unusable people. He said, there is nothing that we can do to keep ourselves from God loving us. There's nothing that we can do. There is no sin that is too great. God never stops fighting for us. He never gives up on us. He makes the unusable usable. He makes the unusable usable. Say that with me. He makes the unusable usable. That's what he specializes in. And I love how King David writes about this, and he was one guy who thought he might not be unusable. He wrote these two things for us. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. And then he said this, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. And this is from a man who found forgiveness for failing God. You know, there is nothing that we can do to make ourselves unusable to God. There's nothing. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he paid the price for our sins with his blood for all of our sins. And when we put our faith, when we put our trust in what he did for us, he gives us a heart that is made right with God. And God sees us as belonging to him. You are his. You are his. That's how he sees you. And he is making you into a masterpiece. See, when we fail, it doesn't surprise God. It doesn't surprise him at all. But here's what concerns him. When we fail, we are the ones who often remove ourselves from the fight and say that we are unusable. And God doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want that for others. And so God has a purpose for each of us. And his purpose is that we would fight for everyone. The third thing that he wants us to do is that he wants us to fight for everyone. So part of the word uh, fight, what it means to me in this season right now is that he wants me to fight for Flagler. He wants me to fight for friends. He wants me to fight for families. He wants me to fight for Flagler County. And so I want to continue to help Epic to become a place where unchurched people who believe that they are unusable have a place where they feel welcome and loved and that they can sense and want to belong to a God who loves them and accepts them. And we all know people. We all have friends and family members that are in our lives or here at Epic that we know we need to be the voice in their lives. We know that we have family and friends that God wants us to speak on his behalf. And so when we set ourselves aside to be inactive and unusable, we are not fighting for everyone. Because someone needs to hear about our weaknesses and know that they're not alone. 
Someone needs us to tell our stories of pain and suffering to show them that healing is possible. Someone needs us to be able to share our failures so that they know that they are acceptable and loved by God. Everyone needs to know that they can belong to him and that God specializes in making the unusable into a masterpiece. That's how we fight. So when you fight for your word this year, you are fighting for everyone because God wants to use you in your weakness and he wants to use you for the rest of your life. So let me get real practical for us, okay? So how do we become the word that God has given to us this year? Okay, how do we remain in the fight? There's some things that we need to be armed with that I've covered today. I wanna kind of recast those in a light at the end here. And so in a moment, we're gonna close the service in communion. And during that time of communion, uh, we've put some rocks besides the communion areas. And on those rocks, we want you to write the word that God has put on your heart this year that you are going to fight for. And we want you to put that rock by uh, your bathroom sink. I think that's the most often visited place for us, right? And when you see that word on your stone, you pray. You say, God, I don't know the steps that you're going to have me take this year in order to transform my life to become more like that word, but I trust you. God, I'm gonna keep speaking to you. I'm going to keep um, reading your word. God, I'm gonna keep coming to Epic and doing the spiritual growth challenges. I'm going to, God, let you transform me into the word that, that you want me to become so that I can continue to become the masterpiece that you want me to become. So fight, fight through prayer though, and let him do the battle. You pray, he fights. Then I want you to fight to be honest with others. Fight to be honest with others. There's someone that God has placed in your life who will pray for you, who will encourage you, who will walk with you. There is someone probably in your community group that you just need to share your word with and both of you share your words and you pray for each other and you check in on each other. That's how we fight. We fight by being honest with someone else, with others. And then uh, fight for everyone. You know, fight for everyone. God does not see you as unusable. There's no one who's unusable. If you are alive, you are usable. And so God wants you to fight. And as he works on you this year, he wants you to fight for others. And so this is what I want you to do on your uh, rock as well. On your rock, I want you to put a number three, whether that's on the front or the back. And that three represents three people that you are going to be praying for this year to come to know Jesus. Whether you tell them or you invite them to church, we all, let's pray for three people and let's fight for them. And so that three represents three people in your life that you want to see come to know Jesus this year. Now, if you are just checking out this whole God thing, this is what the three could represent for you. The three could represent for you uh, time. We are almost exactly three months away from Easter. And so would you commit to coming to Epic every week for the next three months to investigate, to investigate? Many people, as they checked out Jesus, didn't believe in him in that moment. 
They followed him. They followed him. They investigated. They explored. And so if you don't know who Jesus is and you're really kind of hesitant about Jesus, would you make a commitment for the next three months till Easter to come and see who Jesus is? And so every time you see this rock with your word and that three, just remind yourself, I'm going to, Jesus, who are you? I'm going to check you out. So here's how we're going to close today. Today we're going to close uh, in communion, and we're going to take communion. And communion is a time where we thank Jesus for dying on the cross and coming back to life from the dead. It's a reminder that there is hope and that he can do all things. He overcame death. It's also a time to check our relationship with God. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, it's a time to say, you know what, is there anything that's in my heart that's not right? And so I'm going to confess that to you, Jesus, because this is about a relationship. This is about a friendship. And so um, I'm going to confess that to you. Now, let me walk you through how we do communion here at Epic. Um, Communion is open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so if you have done that, I encourage you to take communion with us. And let me explain. There are six areas that we have for communion, two in the front and then four in the back uh, tables. And the reason that we do communion is this, because Jesus commanded us to continue to do communion on some type of pace, some kind of regular basis to remember his death. And when we look back and we remember what he did for us, it reminds us of God's great love for us and that he is always fighting for us, even now. And so um, this is where we find uh, where Jesus commands us. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, it says, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And that's what the bread represents, his body that was broken for us. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. That's what the juice represents. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Because one day he's coming back. One day he will make all things new. And so our hope is always in him. And so in a moment, uh, before we take communion, I'm going to pray. And during that time of prayer, when I'm praying, that's your time to talk to God. That's your time to be able to say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, is there anything that's disrupting our relationship right now that you need me to say to you? Now, if you are not a Christ follower, maybe today you have seen that you can belong and that Jesus has been fighting for you. And so maybe during prayer, it's time to say, you know what, I'm ready to stop battling, stop trying to do this on my own, and I'm turning to you, Jesus. So maybe you just make today the day you begin a relationship with Jesus, and you say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for coming back to life from the dead to show me that you are God. Will you forgive me of my sins and be my Savior? And so as I begin to uh, pray, the band's going to come out during that time. And after I finish praying, they're going to be playing one last song as you take communion. And if you need extra time to talk to him in the seats, then please do that. Or maybe you want to go to the communion station. You want to spend some extra time in prayer before you take the elements. Uh, Just stand off to the side and pray to him. And then pick up your rock and write your word 
and write that number three and take that home today and start to pray and start to fight for the word that God wants to do in you this year to make you into a masterpiece. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that you have been fighting for us and fighting for us and fighting. God, you love us so much, you never give up on us. Thank you that we can get honest with you. Thank you that you can heal us and our brokenness. Thank you that you never give up on us, God. And so today, God, I know that there are some people who need to hear that. I've needed to hear it all my life. And so, God, I pray that you will give them the strength to pursue you this year, to fight in prayer, to fight to be honest with others, and to fight for everyone. And so, God, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for coming back to life to show us that you are God and that you can forgive sins. And so, God, we are just thankful as we go and take communion, we take these rocks, we come back to our seats. As we sing this song to close us, may we focus on the words and may we use it to dedicate ourselves this year to you. And may we sing these words out to you because you have been echoing them in our minds throughout our lives. And so we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take communion.